the free for all roundtable round two on round two today richard krauss is here host of the podcast last call with richard krauss queens park bureau chief at the toronto star robert benzie kareem Assad, toronto lawyer is with us on the panel as well let's start with this uh, survey we were talking with patty lovett reed about it much earlier on the show but in spite of some fairly solid economic indicators canadians have a very dim view of the economy as a matter of fact 82 percent of the population thinks we're in a recession I'll start with Robert Benzi on this one. Uh, as Patty and I were saying, Robert, the quickest way to have a recession is for people to think that there is one. Yeah, I mean, this is a poll that Polara does every year. Uh, and I was speaking to Dan Arnold, the pollster who did it yesterday about it. And it's it's interesting, uh, John, Canadians ha- ha- believed this time last year that we were already in a recession and we didn't have a recession last year. We don't have a recession now, technically. But I think that it's the difference between the perception and the reality. And the perception is because interest rates are high, inflation is t- persistent. People feel like they're they don't they they can't make ends meet as as well as they could have a few years ago. I think that has people feeling downbeat. And and as as Dan said, there's also a quote unquote post COVID malaise. And I think that's part of it. It's not like we're having a post war boom like they saw after World War II in 1945. What you're, we're getting more now is a kind of a, uh, I, everyone just feels kind of blue and and hard done by. And I guess I don't blame them. And Richard, you know, one of the key problems I think is probably the cost of housing these days. I was reading some case studies the other day. They just went through a bunch of people who make $100,000 each, and they used to think that was going to make them rich. And uh, to a person, they were all being squeezed by either their rent or their payments on their mortgage. Yeah, to Robert's point, we didn't get the roaring 20s after the pandemic like they did after the Spanish flu. And it has led to this kind of malaise, this feeling that people have uh, that the world just seems to be spinning a little faster than they know how to deal with it. And housing prices absolutely is part of that sticker shock at the grocery store. Every time you go to the grocery store, things cost more. I order my tea, my Earl Grey tea online, what used to be $7.99 is now $23.99. And that price just rocketed up shortly. And it just made me uh, think that that we as a or me as a consumer, just I, I don't have any control over what's happening outside the walls of my home. And I think that's probably anecdotally anyway, why people think uh, that we're not only heading towards, but in a recession right now, because everything just seems to be priced just slightly out of reach for us. And Karima said, I guess it doesn't help that uh, last month's job creation amounted to 100. <laughs> no, that does not help. Um, and it also doesn't help that people's uh, wages and salaries, for the most part, are not increasing alongside or in tandem with the increase in basic or the cost of basic necessities like housing like groceries um, and even small luxuries like takeout um, so i think you know the abstract economic indicators that's one thing but people's actual daily experiences is another uh, and to your earlier point um at you know it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy if people 
are in the mindset of recession and act accordingly. I'll stick with you, actually, because you often are out covering protests and while you don't harass people, you've prob- you can probably sympathize with what was going on. But let's play a clip right now. This is uh, Rebel News. I'm making quotation marks in the air. Um, David Menzies making a pest of himself trying to question Christia Freeland and he gets waylaid by a cop. Why is your government supporting Islamo-Nazism? Okay, he didn't ultimately ended up uh, end up getting booked, but uh, I imagine like everyone, Karima said, you're familiar with David Menzies because he likes to stalk politicians. We are sometimes at the same events. Um, and having watched that video, um, there is a pivotal moment where the camera turns away so we can't see exactly what happened. But it does look like the plainclothes officer sort of intervened physically and then um, alleged assault when there was uh, an encounter between the two of them, which it looked like bumping into. Um, and I think we have to, as someone who has been trespassed and arrested for just showing up at a political event um, without, you know, any issue, like I, without causing any issues, rather. Um, I am keeping a close eye on this because on the one hand, we do have a right, whether we are citizens or journalists or what have you, to question politicians. Um, but, you know, there's a balance between those expression rights and public order. Robert, the video doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, but it just looks like a guy with a microphone walking next to Christia Freeland, and next thing you know, he's in trouble. As a person who's probably had to chase people from a building to a car to try and get a comment, I guess you can sympathize. Yeah, yeah, I do, and I think this is an overzealous cop. Uh, 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 clearly, Menzies uh, loves these kind of stunts. hes an, I don't consider him a kind of working press the way that m- most of my colleagues uh, in, in the press gallery at Queen's Park or in Ottawa would be, but he, uh, he has his self-appointed role, I suppose. I, w- I was interested, though, John, to see that Pierre Polyev, the federal conservative leader, tweeted out how this was an outrage against freedom of the press, and, you know, and, I, and I don't like reporters being arrested, um, but Polyev it seems to forget that Menzies was banned from the, the, the 2019 conservative tour by Andrew Scheer after a similar kind of stunt on Scheer's campaign. So this is not his first rodeo. Uh, having said that, I think the cops uh, were overzealous, and that's why he wasn't charged. Yeah, Richard Krauss, apparently they're already making hay out of this and making money out mm-hmm. of this, but that's how Rebel works. It's all over my Twitter feed. I know. And- yeah, and this is exactly what they wanted. This is the best case scenario for them. No charges, some inflammatory uh, video that they can plaster all over uh, social media. The picture that I'm looking at here from uh, the TNC News uh, dot com uh, has, you know, Messi is looking suitably outraged as a, a cop has him by the arm leading him away. And that's just the kind of thing that inflames rebel uh, fans of rebel news to give them money to, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, get fired up to flood Twitter with uh, tweets about how we're under, you know, siege by the the police the journalism the true voice of canada can't is being muzzled that's all nonsense this was if anything a good thing for rebel news because they're going to make some bank off this 
A man, I told this story in great detail just a few minutes ago, but a man who was accused of having shot randomly at five guys um, got bail from a justice of the peace. And now another judge, has, well, a, a real judge, I guess I should say, has said, no, actually, this person should not be at large. But if anybody ever wants to rail about our ridiculous bail system, Robert Benzie, I guess this is one of those great examples. Well, or, or well, yes and no. I think it's also about justice—the justice of the peace system. I thought uh, Deb Hutton on round one spoke very uh, knowledgeably about this because she has a similar experience to, to it that I do, just having watched how these appointments are made. And and these are not people with legal training. Um, this this justice of the peace uh, who was appointed in 2011 by the McGuinty government came out of um, uh, sort of the I think uh, the women's shelter movement and things like that, like an activist kind of role that she had. And I'm not diminishing that, but I'm just saying this is not necessarily someone with well, it's not someone with a law degree or any uh, judicial experience. Now, she's been a, a, a justice of the peace for 13 years 12 13 years so uh i but i think this is a, actually a good thing about the justice system it shows that the justice system works because you have a real judge going wait a minute i don't like this release plan uh this young man uh you know his parents don't seem to understand the severity of the charges they've put up two hundred thousand dollars uh bail and and they don't really seem to have uh, any idea of what he's up to uh, and what the allegations, how serious the allegations are against him. At the very least, Karim has said he had an ankle bracelet, so I guess they could monitor him, but I don't know if there's any active monitoring on those things. Well, it uh, a lot of that falls to the sureties. Um, and so if the sureties aren't fully plugged in, then that's where uh, obviously this judge had an issue and, and concerns uh, and you know, this is not to say that another bail plan couldn't be proposed down the line, um, but the initial result was challenged by the Crown, and uh, the judge agreed with the Crown. Okay, let me play some audio, and Richard, I'll start with you, because you are a pop, pop culture maven. I uh, want to hear your thoughts on Jimmy Kimmel spending seven minutes ripping Aaron Rodgers a new one on his show last night. And can you imagine that this hamster-brained man thinks he knows what the government is up to because he's a quarterback doing research on YouTube and listening to podcasts. I looked it up. This is actually a thing. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with limited competence in a particular domain overestimate their abilities. In other words, Aaron Rodgers is too arrogant to know how ignorant he is. They let him host Jeopardy for two weeks. Now he knows everything. So it was a seven-minute takedown, and all over the fact that Aaron Rodgers asserted that Jimmy Kimmel's name was going to be on the list of patrons of Jeffrey Epstein. His name was not on that list. And effectively, I mean, that's calling him a pedophile. Yeah, absolutely. And putting his family in danger. And if you look at uh, Twitter over the course of the next couple of days after some names were released last week, uh, people were swearing up and down that they saw Jimmy Kimmel's name on the list. No, it's absolutely there. I read it with my own eyes. There's 900 pages of documents in no what anywhere, anywhere 
in that document is Jimmy Kimmel's name mentioned, but it was still all over online. So this is Jimmy Kimmel hitting back. Uh, I'm not sure that it, it is the route I would have gone because I think this will only intensify things. Perhaps he's trying to uh, push Aaron Rodgers into a lawsuit somehow, make him angry, make him tweet something more uh, that's really actionable. I don't know. Uh, but Jimmy Kimmel isn't that amiable uh, talk show host who has, you know, pleasant chit chat with movie stars on his talk show if you listen to uh, the radio work that he did years ago uh, he is someone who can get pretty gnarly and uh, and really go for the throat and I think that's what he did last night thank you all good to have you this morning great chat and that's Karima Sad, Robert Benzie and Richard Krause catch the round table round one at 745 round two at 845 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 Toronto